Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back, and we are going to go right to the phones. And uh, joining us is Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing good. I have to admit, I had a great time. I mean, I have a great time fishing in Colorado. We have incredible fishing right here. But when I get back in Minnesota with Claudio, where where I got older, Karen won't let me say I grew up. You know that. Uh, and we get to those lakes that I guess we probably know that those fisheries better than anything in our lives. We just really have some fun. It is fun, Terry. You know, and it, it's the fisheries that are really, uh, you know, multi-species managed where, you know, you never know on a cache. You're getting a bass, a, you know, a bluegill, you know, a walleye. So a lot of species. And, no, it's just uh, getting back to the home water. So I believe it's fun. I get the same way when I get back over there in the Midwest. Now, we have a lot of great fishing right here and a lot going on. And I think a lot of activities, too. And I believe you have a special guest you want I, to bring I do, on. Terry. You know, we got a ton going on. I was actually glassing elk this morning, and the high country got snow. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to say that it's starting to snow or if it never ended snowing. I don't know what we're going to time our seasons, uh, but, you know, we are actually now less than two months from opening pronghorn. We're closer to a month away from some of our big game hunting. So uh, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear us talking a lot of hunting. Uh, but real quick, I, I want to talk about one other thing. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on right now just in the overall industry. Uh, if you follow this show, you've heard of the Colorado Walleye Association. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the, there's a couple of members of the association that are really trying to get more involved in the community, uh, and they have got a ton of stuff going on, so I wanted to bring on a guest, and I'll tell you what, Terry, um, I don't know if uh, this guest coming on here is going to come after our jobs as a radio host, uh, but he wrote me an outline that he's going to talk about today, and he even has it down to how many words and minutes he's going to talk. You so, told uh, him he's I'll only getting two and a half minutes, right? It is an honor to have right? a, uh, a guest <laughs> be prepared for this, so uh, it's my honor to introduce guys, Mr. Dick Myron, Secretary and Tournament Director of the Colorado Walleye Association. Association. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, the CWA has got a lot of great stuff going on. And uh, I want to turn Dick loose and, and talk about all the opportunities that are going on right now. Morning, Dick. Good morning, gentlemen. And thank you to both of you uh, for having me on this morning's show. Um, I wanted to basically speak about how the Colorado Walleye Association is trying to move forward into the future. Our mission statement basically says that we desire to promote family, friendship, kids, conservation, and competitive angling. And I really like to focus not only on the competitive angling this morning, but also on our kids' events. Our competitive angling, we have now included on our last event at at, uh, North Sterling, which paid 97%. We had awesome. We love seeing full events, that's for sure. And, and we had 23% of those were included, both adult mixed teams and youth teams. And just a quick note on that, our leader mixed youth team, Cody Lawhorn and Kim Lawhorn, took home $2,100 for that two-day event. And then uh, our youth team, Ronnie Snyder and his daughter Alana took home over $800 for that event. That's not to take away from like our second place overall leader John Kaibo and Charlie Kellenhofer and our team of the year people John Moreland and Eric Knodel. But a lot of things 
that went on at that uh, North Sterling tournament were possible because of Bass Pro, Cabela's, and Cast King. And now for our, and we thank those for sure, uh, our kids' events coming up are more important to us at this present time because our tournaments are, are over, so we're focusing on family and kids. For those in the Trinidad area, the Colorado Walleye Association is supporting two kids' junior explorer summer camp events that are being put on by the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. These are three-day events held at Trinidad Lake where the kids ages 12 to 15 will learn about archery, hiking, fishing, and more. The Colorado Walleye Association Southern Chapter, Warren Leader, uh, Fredrickson, will be teaching the fishing portion of the event. The association has provided, through the help of Eagle Claw, 20 brand-new kids' fishing outfits with accessories for, the, for use at the event. Warren will be teaching casting, fishing techniques from shore, knot tying, and baiting your hook, all for the kids. The date of the next event, and this is important, because there's not many spots left for this next event, is July 23rd through 26th, and the last camp is August 6th through 9th. So, Dick, how would somebody, if they're interested, who do they contact to get signed into that? There is a, they need to contact Amy at the Trinidad Lake State Park office. Space is limited, and there is a cost of $20 paid to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Department. Okay, and then if they go down there, I assume they'd have to have accommodate, either have to go back and forth or have some kind of accommodations for the three yes, days. Yes, it is a three-day event. It is a three-day event. It runs from 9.30 in the morning till 1.30 each of the three days, and lunch is provided to the kids. Okay. But <clears throat> locally, here in the Denver area, uh, the Colorado Walleye Association is, again, working in conjunction with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Department to provide a free kids' fishing event to be held August 3rd at Lake Lehow, which is located off Waterton Road in Littleton. The Colorado Walleye Association members will be teaching an overview about the ANS, hook tying, casting, lots of fishing, and we'll be providing 20 brand-new kids' rods and reels, again, with the help of Eagle Claw, for the event. The event will run from 10 a.m. to 3.30. There is no charge. Parents must be present to supervise their child and provide sunscreen, snacks, drinks for the child. There is no formal sign-up process. You just simply show up with your kids and help them learn. Space is limited to the first 20 arrivals for this event. An important part of this is this is a private lake fishing event with lots of fish stocks for the catching by the kids. Lake Lehow is located off Waterton Road past the Waterton Canyon parking lot. Take a left just past the parking lot, and the road will lead you to Lake Lehow. We hope that uh, your listeners will take advantage of these events for their kids. Uh, they sound they sound really great. And is there information on the CWA website on these events? Uh, we have not posted it yet because some of it has just been firmed up with the uh, uh, Department of uh, Parks and Wildlife. So we will get it more than likely out on our Facebook page. And that Facebook page is? 
uh, Colorado Walleye Association. That's A-S-S-N. All right. I think it's so neat, Terry, because I'm sure you're the same as me. We get so many calls from people asking about fishing camps for the summer. You know, all these kids are off school, and there's a lot of parents that are seeking that. And unfortunately, in Colorado, we don't have a ton of, you know, dedicated camps like that. So uh, I think the nail just, you know, just hit the nail on the head talking about this today. And, uh, yeah, we'll make sure uh, we can share all this and uh, get people directed to the right pages, Dick. We uh, we, we appreciate it much. I mean, uh, again, we, we always preach it, but uh, there's no doubt that the youth is the future, and important to uh, to provide all those opportunities dick thank you so and, much and we'll send people to you. that facebook page and i'm sure nate you'll post it and we'll make Absolutely. sure the, we'll make sure the information gets out thank you dick thank you very much i appreciate it you bet uh, it's always great nate when we see these associations uh doing things for the kids people don't realize they're not just tournaments I mean, that's it, Terry. You know, I think I mean, you, you just see all the associations, I mean, bass, walleye, trout, whatever. You know, we always just try to stay with the times. And, uh, you know, you definitely see the angling community go through heavy phases of heavy tournaments. And you see the main focus of the association going to tournaments. And maybe they, you know, don't do other things or this or that. And, I mean, it, it's, again, you're just trying to keep with the general public. But I really like the CWA, you know, again, their new format. They're kind of, you know, trying to breach out there. They're, they're still focusing on tournaments, but they're trying to get a little bit more community involvement, you know, same type of thing that we're trying to do with leagues and you know a lot of the youth stuff that we do and um, you know it's easy to get caught up in one thing and, and again it, it's it's great to see the association kind of grassrooting itself uh, you know again I haven't heard mission statements in a while and it's great to see those companies or you know associations bringing back those type of things and uh, and yeah just just becoming wholesome and uh, being all around uh, with that being said Nate we got about three minutes left so what do you got coming up and what are you seeing out there if somebody wants to get on the water. Absolutely. You know, as far as everything's going on, our league series is going phenomenal. We had uh, we had almost 50 anglers at league last Wednesday. Uh, so this coming Wednesday, it's not holding. It's the following. So right when we get back from ICAST, so, uh, you know, basically a week and a half away, our week, weekly league series at Chatfield, we encourage everybody to show up. It's $20 per species, bass, walleye, carp. You can fish any, you know, one or multiples. Um, and that league night and Wednesday evenings is going fantastic. We have our two major carp tournaments coming up, August, or excuse me, July 20. 27th uh, at Clement Park, Johnson's Reservoir, as well as August 10th. Um, that's going to be at Adams County Fairgrounds. So we're real excited about our European, uh, you know, catch and release carp style tournaments. Uh, and other than that, Terry, I'm on the water literally seven days a week, but I'm trying to do one guide trip a day so I can spend the evenings out in the woods. Um, it is hunting time. Um, again, you know, we always talk about it in midsummer, and everybody tells us we're crazy. Uh, but Fourth of July is here. All the calves are on the ground, so wherever your elk are, they're staying. They're not doing any major migrations with these calves now so your your does and fawns and you know everything is uh is, is done you know the cows and does have dropped everything as far as giving birth um all your young are on the ground you know and that's everything moose deer you know sheep elk everything um so everything's in full swing so where your animals are right now is a good good a concept of where they're going to be this coming hunting season. Um, and again, for most of us, I mean, there, there's some sheep opportunities early, but the, the most tags that are going to be hunted this year is going to start off with our archery pronghorn hunt, and that's going to be August 15th. Uh, and with that being said, Terry, it's, it's time to start getting a plan. And when I say getting a plan, I think a lot of hunters are going to have to think outside the box. Uh, you've watched videos of myself using decoys. Um, you always hear us about concepts of 
finding paths under fences, hunting, you know, in a different style than most hunt on pronghorn. Most pronghorn hunters are utilizing water. Now, that's obviously a very, very good tactic, but this year we have water everywhere. It's raining every day on the plains. It's raining on the mountains. Um, water is not going to be as conducive because there's a lot of options. Now, if you sit it out long enough, you put in those five, eight, ten days, good chance they're going to come by your water hole. But if you're looking to make a, a more efficient hunt with less days in the field, um, coming up with a new approach is going to be your style. So we're going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks. I know we're out of time. Uh, but with that being said, it is time to think about it. You need to be shooting your archery equipment, shooting your muzzleloaders. Muzzleloading equipment seems to be on a little bit of a low this year. Uh, I know a lot of guys are having a hard time getting muzzleloader bullets. A lot of guys are having a hard time getting powder. Uh, I'm getting a lot of calls about that. So, again, with the shortage of some of those things, Make sure that you're looking for it now, ordering it. Make sure that you can give yourself some time to get it to you so you have time to practice. But, again, this is, uh, this is kind of the official kickoff of our hunting talks because, um, again, uh, the season is here. Animals are, are looking great, a lot of moisture, a lot of green grass, um, and it is time to, to start talking both fishing and hunting here in uh, Colorado. That's for sure, Terry. 30 seconds. If you were going fishing next couple of days, where would you go? Next couple of days, if I was staying locally, I would definitely hit up Chatfield Reservoir right now. The bass are in full swing, the walleyes are in full swing, and all our panfish showed up on the shallow, uh, shallow water sandy areas. So big perch, big bluegills, so Chatfield's hot. If you're going up in the hills, Spinney Mountain Reservoir, um, our pike are settled. We're seeing huge pike on a daily basis. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of big trout, uh, so Spinney is definitely hot in the hills. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon. Probably see you down at ICAST. We'll see you at ICAST. We'll see all you right. soon. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Dire straight. You're nailing it today, my friend. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones. And uh, joining us, he's with uh, Guides with the Blue Quill Angler, Joe Schaefer. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I tell you what, we've been talking the last few weeks about the runoff, and it's it's in pretty much full swing in most places, and it looks like it might last a while, and a lot of anglers are looking for options, and I wanted to talk to you specifically because you do a lot with the stillwater angling, and it's really an option that doesn't get enough attention, isn't it? Absolutely, Terry. I mean, the options really in Colorado, I think, are very underutilized and there's so many things that you can do on our still waters across Colorado that really is fun and can do different types high mountain lakes uh, lower water areas or even the warm water stuff um, out in our valleys and plains regions so it's just a plethora of options and uh, just love getting after these still waters this time of year. Oh, and they're tremendous. Like you said, both cold and warm water species. We have lakes right here on the Front Range. We have lakes all the way up in the mountains that are some of them just opening up, in fact, and getting getting ice out. But fly fishermen, for some reason, uh, a lot of fly fishermen, and really good fly fishermen sometimes, you know, uh, Joe, they they seem to shy away from the still water at times. And I think, you know, they've grown up and they've been guided and they've read all the books and they know where the fish are in the river. They read the seams. They know the breaks and the those type of things. 
and they've learned to make a presentation by getting their line out in front and making a drift and getting the river to make the presentation for them. And I think Stillwater gets a little intimidating for them. Absolutely, Terry. That intimidation factor just comes over the years of um, just not doing it. Um, When we were developing this program and doing these different things with Stillwaters, you really have to be out there and studying these things to um, really be successful. But that doesn't mean that you can't get into it right away and start catching fish and learning right away. There's those factors that come in where um, we're looking for these different lines and weed lines and different colorations of the water to speed up those processes to help us find those fish. Now, I know you have a program at Blue Quill that you run that's just for the Stillwater Angler, and I want to get to more of that in just a minute. But before we do, let's just say the average guy is headed out to, let's say, a mountain lake. Let's just say, or it doesn't have to be a high elevation, but a trout lake. What kind of advice do you give them this time of the year? Is there a couple lakes you'd send them to to start? What would you tell them? Oh, mainly, first off, is, you know, look around you when you first get out of the car. You know, check those areas. Um, That's going to give you the tools and the tickets to the big game, per se, to get after these stillwater fisheries, because a lot of what's moving around are on those edges, uh, the adult bugs and that you're seeing, and those nymph versions are going to be down in the water. One of my favorite areas, kind of my secret little tip, and this is kind of seems funny, but their bug hotels are those outdoor bathrooms. You look up into those ceilings of those things in the grates and uh, the overhangs, and you can see just about everything that's hatched throughout the day that has been caught in there, anglers going in and out. It's really uh, just a, a huge information tool, as long uh, as well as um, the grasses and the edges of the lake. That'll give you the tickets to the game as far as bugs concerned. And then when uh, you're breaking down those lakes, I think a big thing to look at is do your research before you get to the lake. And I think this is very important is try and find a topo map, try and find um, the depths, snap a picture of it so you have it on your cell phone. Um, you can keep that with you and reference that throughout the day. Those are some of the things that we talk about getting started. And then also when you're in the water, um, looking at those different contours of the hills and uh, the valleys that are around you, maybe channels, uh, valleys that are coming into that lake and following those lines into the water. And that is designating those different depth changes where weed lines may be holding the the shelves into drop-offs where fish like to hang so they have cover, but they can also feed freely. Now, when people are, I know you teach both still water from shore and you do a lot of teaching from float tubes too, but let's just say a beginning still water fly fisherman. Uh, do you recommend any different gear? Do you tell him to use what he uses in the rivers? What do you see as the optimum for the still water angler? For the, I tell people, start off with what you have all the time. I mean, you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of brand new equipment and sinking lines and all this fancy stuff. Start out with what you have. I mean, some of the best flies that are out there are woolly bugger, a prince nymph, uh, hare's ear, um, things like that. Stuff that you are, most anglers have in their fly boxes, right? 
Yeah. So it's it's a lot of stuff. Your five weights will work just fine um, that we typically use on rivers and things like that. Once you advance and you push yourself forward and you really get into the still water stuff, that's when you're going to want to expand your equipment base and move further into the sport because really – still water fly fishing can be a total separate aspect of regular river fly fishing they can they always say you can never learn everything in fly fishing right well it applies the same to still water i still learn new tactics and work on new tactics all the time people are developing new things rigs in different lines and there's so many things going on out there we're learning a lot from our european friends there's there's a lot going on so um you can never learn all absolutely all of it but as you progress you you start playing with more things to up those catch rates and you probably go maybe you want to move to a six or a seven weight and go to some sinking lines and you have that bigger rod that handles them a little better Absolutely. And that just doesn't apply for trout. I mean, we, a lot of these tactics and things like that, that we have developed and we work on can cross over to warm water species. And so you have these opportunities to go to any still water in Colorado and catch fish. Now, if somebody's interested in your program, tell us about it. Okay, so we started this about two years ago, and we wanted to develop this program on flow tubes. Of course, we do trips from shore and things like that, but also this flow tube thing is so great for us because um, we've partnered with Outcast Sporting Gear, and they help us out with quit, uh, equipment, so we can provide all the equipment. So you can try it and work with it before you decide whether or not you want to go out and buy it. And the, the base the basis of this is, like I said a little bit before, is we're trying to, in all of our classes, all of our guide trips, be able to get all of our people that take these classes and guide trips out on the water and show them uh, a lot of tactics and techniques and rigging so they can come back to the water and do it themselves and feel comfortable with that. That's our main goal as far as this. We want to get more people interested in still water fly fishing. It not only is such a fun thing to do and relaxing and everything else, but it also takes that pressure off our rivers a little bit. And I think, you know, anyway, we can do that is a great thing for our environment now as far as the program when is it how often do you have it and how does somebody sign up okay we we have that just about every friday throughout uh the summer um our classes are listed on the website under our float tube classes and that's on the blue quill angler website Yes, and then um, we run those uh, almost every Friday um, until October, and then in between there, um, as people want to take guided trips and things like that, we fill the rest of our time with um, guided trips on a little bit more individual basis. Now, we only take two people at a time because we want to give everybody as much time as possible, and we really tailor to each individual, too, so you don't have to be a super advanced fly fisherman and you don't have to worry about being brand new to the sport. Uh, Jerry Vigil and I that have been doing these classes for a couple years now, um, we have really worked on tailoring it to each individual and where their um, skill level is and make them grow from where when we get them to the end of the day so they're comfortable out on the water.
All right. We at Joe, we are out of time. I could talk for hours about this. We're going to have to get you back on. But best way for more information, go to the Blue Quill Angler site. Yes, sir. BlueQuillAngler.com, or you can call the shop at 303-674-4700. All right. My friend, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You bet. That's uh, that's Joe Schaefer from the Blue Quill Angler. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to talk about some baits that Greg Claudio from Minnesota and I spent two days testing and uh, very pleased with the results on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going right to the phones. Joining us, he's a uh, legendary guide, an outdoor writer. He's been nominated to the Minnesota Fishing Hall of Fame. He's a tournament fisherman. Mr. Greg Claudio, if I can't go through your whole resume, it's only a two-hour show. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing great. I tell you what, every now and then, you and I get asked to test some baits, and uh, when we do it, we kind of we kind of submerse ourselves in them, and that happened uh, just this last uh, week when BioBaits, a Colorado company, gave us a bunch of product, and I had been talking to them, and they said, go out and fish with it, see what you think, and they they gave us a bunch of product uh, to go out and test, and we spent what would m- amounted to about two days over two and a half days on maybe four or five bodies of water, and we fished nothing but those baits. So yeah, we go ahead. Being, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, and I brought along some minnows, and I brought along uh, a pound of leeches, and uh, and it, we never even opened the containers on none of them. I mean, we used the baits, the plastic baits, the uh, bio baits, for two and a half days. And we fished, um, and they we fished a couple times in some tough conditions where probably another approach would have been better, but we actually caught fish and nice fish in almost every type of situation. Yeah, we did. And, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, after you left. When we were fishing uh, the smallmouth bass, it was a tough This was a tough situation indeed. I mean, it was high skies, 90 degrees out, flat calm, and we're fishing a mine pit that has 30-some feet visibility. It's that clear. And yet we tricked all these fish, these nice smallmouth, into biting. Now, I'm going to kind of go through some of the baits and how we used them, but I know you post a lot on Facebook already, and you have a a newspaper column about them. Uh, They can see that on Fishing with Greg on Facebook. Is that right? Yeah, correct. And then you've sent me some pictures, and I'm trying to get some pictures and videos. And on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, I'm going to post some pictures of the baits some pictures of the fish, and I'll write some analysis of what we did over the next week or so, and we'll get that up too so people are interested. But let's start out with the very first fish we went after, and that was jumbo perch on a big lake in Minnesota where most people would have been fishing these with probably a jig and a minnow. We used, um, I used a jig and BioBaits 3.75-inch leech, but I cut it down a little bit because we were getting struck a little bit short, you used a 2.75 grub, which you actually also cut down, and you also used a 2.50 leech. Um, the, pitch, the fish we caught were phenomenal. How many jumbo perch do you think we caught in just a matter of a couple hours? Oh, man, 40, 50, something like that. You know, I just love grubs. I like to fish grubs, so that was the first one I'd tried, and uh, it worked very well. 
Yep, and we both cut them down a little bit to start with because even though they're jumbo perch, we were getting a little bit of short bite. And then you actually did some fishing, too, with the two-and-a-half-inch leech, which we didn't have to cut down, and we're successful with that also. Yeah. You know, one thing I had to laugh is I think you were taking a photo of me and with a big perch, and you just dropped your rod and set it down. Well, we're all ready to fish again. You picked up your rod, and a perch had picked it up off the bottom of the lake and was swimming away with it. Yeah, they picked it up just like it was live bait. Now we, yeah. And that same thing happened, almost identical. We decided to try from some walleyes. Now, there had been a walleye tournament on this lake, and just prior to that, then that tournament, some of the fishing had been very tough. And just so people know, I had the, um, the 3.75 biobait leech in black, just on a hook through the nose, just like you would a live leech on a Lindy rig, which gives no presentation, really. It just flutters like uh, usually you have something live giving it. I set that down again for something to help you with something, picked that up and had a 26-inch walleye on it. Yeah, that <laughs> that pretty much sold me. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, for one, I, I think those leeches are going to be in our tackle box for a long time. They will. I'm looking forward to going to a local lake here and. uh Put them underneath a slip bobber, and I know they're going to work. And then the next um, main species we did go after, you mentioned the smallmouth bass. And we've got pictures of these. I'll post on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. But I used I used a um, what they call their 5-inch Stinko, which is very much like a Cinco stick-type bait. And I used a 2.75-inch tube with a jig head for two different presentations. You used a squirm worm, a 4.75, that was uh, wacky rigged, which is hooked in the middle. And then I believe you, uh, for the deep one, you went back to that grub, but in full size, that 2.75 grub. And we found these fish, they we were very shallow up in the trees, or they were very deep off the edge. And so we used that one-two approach. And I'll tell you what, I don't know how many smallmouth we caught, but how many do you think were quality, quality smallmouth? Oh, maybe two dozen. They were really nice fish. And and you throw that wacky and the wacky rig and the and the stinko were throwing because we wanted that slow sink in the trees. But you needed something that sunk faster when they were deep. What did you think about yeah. the performance of those baits? Oh, I liked them. I mean, it's you know, there's something for me those baits. You can, I can best describe it as the wow factor. I was just impressed with how, how effective they are and the softness, the natural feel, and especially when they're oozing uh, fish oil, you can smell it. I mean, it smells, doesn't stink like fish, but it smells like fish oil, smells like fish, and evidently the, the game fish love it, and they're very durable. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the characteristics of the bait. For the amount of fish we caught, and there were dozens and dozens of fish over these days, and, and a lot of big ones, we didn't change baits very often. No, and that was really surprising. You'd catch maybe a dozen fish, and you'd inspect your bait, and it wasn't even torn. I mean, it was not normal, put it like that. Yeah, they really perform well. And then you mentioned the suppleness. I think... One of the most impressive things to me is a lot of people come out with new shapes and scents, but getting that supple flavor that's normally or that uh, action that's normally only available in really soft plastisol baits, 
Um, it was tremendous. Yet these aren't plastic. These are a biodegradable product. And I think they really nailed it with that action. Oh, I think so. And you talk about biodegradable. Didn't you mention that they use that for chum? Yeah, they they take some of the scraps and use it for chum when they're saltwater fishing. <laughs> I mean, that that's unreal. It's just that scent to attract fish in when you're if you've ever chummed out in the saltwater. We finished with probably our toughest chore, which normally is something you and I excel at, and that's finding big largemouth bass. And you mentioned the conditions weren't ideal, yet we were able to go to a lake with a really heavy weed pattern. And by the way, we caught some some largemouth while we were smallmouth fishing. They were nice too. And then we were able to go and get some really giant largemouth and some of the thickest, heaviest cover by throwing that Americraw. Yeah, that's always exciting. I like that. And that's usually, it works the best when it's hot like it was and flat calm and you're just begging to get a four or five pound fish out of those weeds. And we we got, and you'll see the pictures are up. I said, like I said, some of them are up on Fishing with Greg right now. And we're going to get uh, more of them up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors over the next week. I am at ICAST this week too, so I'll do the best I can to get those up there. But overall, I would say that we came away fishing those time with nothing but bio baits, multiple species in multiple situations, I, th- I came away incredibly impressed. I did too. And actually, this morning now, I spent, <laughs> I've got the whole day mapped out. I spent the morning rigging up for crappies. I've got four rods and they're all rigged up with bio bait. I got some of the go tubes and some of the small leeches all ready to go. So right after the Twins game, I'm a big Twins fan here, right after the game, which would be around 4 o'clock, I'll be heading to the lake and I'll be targeting crappies, and uh, I expect good results. Well, and what I want to relate to people, too, is even though we were fishing northern Minnesota, that mine pit fished very much like a high-water reservoir here in Colorado where you'd have water in the trees and then snaggy, deeper drop-offs that were sudden where you're pitching into the trees in 3, 4, 5 feet of water, but the boat's in 30 or 40 feet of water at times, and we had incredible success. You could find that smallmouth bass fishing here. And if you're willing to go to lakes like John Martin and even some of the backwaters at Pueblo and some of the West Slope like Crawford and fish some of these uh, techniques we did for the largemouth bass, they'd be successful. But as far as the um, walleyes and the big perch, uh, I would have no qualms about using those almost anywhere. Oh, I mean... I'm really looking forward to some more experiments. I'm, I'm going to be targeting northern pike on the weed line, and I know I can catch them with that. It's just which one do I, do I put on? I'm looking at all these different colors and assortment here. And, uh, you know, we, we forgot. We didn't mention how they don't dry out. You know, for these baits that smell like that with all the fish oil, a lot of baits, they'll, they'll stiffen up a little bit. This one, what really sold me, I looked at one that I got a hold of a package in the wintertime and I use it on Lake Superior for lake trout. And I picked the biggest one, the biggest white one, big switchback, looks like a smelt. And uh, it was in the garage on the end of my ice rod, been sitting there for four months. I walked over to it and looked at it and it's just flexible. Perfect. Yeah. We got to go. We are way out of time. And Ronnie Castelloni is going to come on and talk about Boyd Reservoir. But Mr. Claudio, I think we uh, came away very impressed. Yes, we did. All right, my friend, we got to get back on the water soon, and I'll be talking to you soon.
Okay, thank you. That's Greg Claudio, legendary angler from northern Minnesota. We'll be back as quickly as possible and give Ronnie as much time as possible on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I want to go right to the phones because we're running a little behind and give this gentleman as much time as possible because I know he has been out on the water Mr. Ronnie Castiglione, you want to talk about the high water fishing at Boyd Lake. Tell us about it. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. Yeah, there is a lot of water in Boyd Lake right now. They filled it up over the last few weeks. The water's basically turned off at this point, but they filled it all the way up so that it was going over the spillway, Terry. And for people who've never seen Boyd Lake full of water, um, boy, it's a completely different lake when they pump all that water into it, Terry. It really is is a whole other deal right now. Well, I would, in my imagination, what I'm thinking is, number one, you started drooling when you saw those trees in the water and thinking about bass. Well, absolutely, Terry. I mean, there is a lot of cover in the water right now, no doubt about it. Um, you know, earlier in the year, none of the docks had been dropped in and the water was holding kind of low and hadn't really made it up onto all that stuff. But now that the water is up, all the docks are in from all the houses. The water is way up behind a lot of the stuff. And we were out fishing it just a few days ago, Terry. And, you know, one of the things that really occurred to me as I was, uh, you know, fishing, away, fishing my way around the lake and kind of taking a look at things and, and putting my boat way up into all these wooded areas, way back behind all the bushes and everything is, is you know, when the water's really full, like it is right now, Terry, there is a tremendous amount of shore access on Lake uh, Lake, Lake Boyd. There's a lot of spots to fish from the shore. There's a lot of riprap that runs up and down that entire west side, especially the southwest side of that lake, Terry, and especially all the way around the whole southern end of that lake. There's a whole bunch of riprap that lines that bank. The water is all the way up onto it. So now there's a whole bunch of access for shore anglers to really be able to get to Boyd and, and access those fish, Terry. Oh, and there's such a variety of species. In addition to the largemouth, you got smallmouth, you got walleyes, you got uh, just a number of white bass. What do you think you'd catch off that riprap right now? Well, I mean, the the largemouth are definitely what we've been focused on, Terry, because they're they're notorious for when this when that when the water floods, they they like to go right up into the stuff, and and the water's so high right now that you know talking about fishing from the shore, Terry, you know, there's a lot of areas in that lake, there's a lot of little uh, little meadowy kind of drain areas where water flows in, and kind of wetland little areas, a lot of little turns of the banks that create these little wooded areas that the water's gotten all the way up and all the way back behind those trees. So standing on the bank right now back behind the trees you're actually better in a lot of the areas than being on a boat terry because you you can't get the boat all the way back to where these fish are i mean we were fishing some areas where we had the boat on the outside towards the main lake portion of and, and we're kind of flipping the outside portions of the of the bushes and the trees terry but that that water extended another 50 60 feet past where we could get the boat too and so from the shore you really have a lot of access to that kind of area and you know if there was a shore angler working their way around the bank right there uh you know around the campsite areas and all that there's a lot of really good looking stuff right there uh, you know, I'd be taking something like a like a, a Cinco rigged weightless with a, with an offset worm hook and and rigging it weedless and just throwing that thing from the shore, skipping that thing out there underneath those bushes out there next to those trees, letting it fall real slow like that. I don't think you'd have any problem catching largemouth right now doing that. You're going to catch panfish doing that. We were catching a lot of crappie because the the crappie have really gotten up into that stuff. We caught walleyes up into the up in the bushes and up in the grass as well. So I think there's an opportunity for multi species, but the 
just the way to fish them, you know, the whole way the lake looks with all of that vegetation, everything in the water, it's, it's really a whole other deal. And it's, it's really an opportunity that we don't necessarily always see in northern Colorado on our bodies of water up here, Terry. Um, they don't always go full. We don't always have the opportunity to get out and fish in those bushes and fish in those trees. Um, but right now, boy, you know, that's your chance right now. If you're looking to get out there and stick some fish in the middle of a willow bush, uh, Boyd Lake is the place to go right now, Terry. Well, I tell you what, you opened my eyes. I hadn't done much largemouth fishing at Boyd until I went with you, and you opened my eyes to the quality. There is quality largemouth in there. Yeah, there really are, Terry. I mean, uh, we catch that, you know, average largemouth on that lake tend to be in that, you know, two and three quarters all the way to that or um, let's say one and one and three quarters to that two and a half pounds. You know, we see a lot of those, but we, we do catch fish that are in that three to four pound fish, four pound range regularly. And every now and then we see a fish pushing five or over five pounds. So there are some really nice large mouth in that lake. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool. Now I will give people this right now, if you get to the lake and you take a look at it, there's so much flooded vegetation. There's so many trees in the water that it's a little overwhelming. What I would tell people is this is pay attention to what type of bushes or what type of grass you're catching fish in and, uh, and just kind of run that as a pattern. So if you get out there and you, and you're not seeing anything in certain trees and things like that, maybe focus on the bushes. If you're not seeing things in particular kinds of grass, look for other kinds of grass. Look for that. Once you figure out what kind of vegetation the fish are actually holding in, then that kind of narrows it down, Terry, and skip over all the stuff that doesn't look like that and really just kind of focus on on the particular kind of bushes or grass that you're catching the fish in, Terry. All right, Ronnie, we got to go, but if people would like a guide trip to learn about some of this, it's fishfulthinker.com. Yeah, absolutely. Now's the time. If you're looking for some heavy cover and getting out there and battling largemouth out of that kind of stuff, right now is the time. So fishfulthinker.com or email me, Ronnie, at fishfulthinker.com. All right, my friend, we will see you soon. All right, thanks, Terry. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione. I'll tell you, we're going to wrap things up today. That's today's episode. Next week, I'm going to be gone again. I'm going to first go to ICAST, which is the big industry show, see what's new out there, research for my fans, right, for you folks. That's what I'm doing it. And then I'm going to do some research by fishing on the Gulf Coast of Florida. These trips are just, you know, I do this just because it's my duty. Actually, I have a great time. But while I'm gone... Uh, Austin Parr will be filling in next week, and then I'll be back the week after that. But join us every week. I want to thank Kyle for keeping us on the air, Karen for making me look like I know what I'm doing, and uh, we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour. Don't forget to follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and we'll listen to the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and ESPN Sports. <laughs>